Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Today's guest is my strength faction buddy, Kirk Adams from Golf and Body in NYC. He's the fitness manager there, and this was really interesting for me in a different way. I was really looking forward to just chatting with Kirk, but I realized I don't really know much at all about the sport of golf, and Kirk opened my eyes to some stuff because he's a wizard at the sport and training for it. So I look forward to hearing from Kirk and I, but before we get to that, let's get into some things in the world of Fury. First and foremost, I want to give a big congrats to Al and Grace Cavallo and the birth of their daughter, Adeline. I'm really stoked for you guys. Uh, folks, they've been on the podcast, but Grace and Al and the Cavallos and Annie Bo, we're all family and it's just awesome. So I'm really stoked for you guys and I look forward to meeting baby Adeline soon. Here's what's going on in the world of Fury in terms of courses. Hey, so the juggling workshop, the intro to kettlebell juggling and the CAT system, which is kettlebell athletic training created by Gus Peterson is happening this coming Sunday, September 16th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. It's only two hours, it's only $50, and I'm gonna teach you how to safely for yourself or someone you train, how to front flip and back flip kettlebells, and if we have time, we'll get into some helicopters, but not just in doing the tricks, but also how to safely build people towards them and how to get out of them if things are going awry. It's so much safer than it seems, so I want you to have fun. This is a great one. If you're just a kettlebell nerd and wanna do something different, that's why I took it. Just come on down. We're going to have some fun in the park. It's going to happen in Brooklyn at Prospect Park uh, West between 12th and 13th Street. Uh, so hit me up for that. The following weekend, finally, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training Level 1 and Level 2 at MSC Strength in Boston. Folks, if you've been interested in Ultimate Sandbag Training or Josh Hankin and his system, definitely want to check this out. But what you might be missing is if you're just looking at a way to progress movements outside of just adding load or adding reps, thinking outside of the big six of kettlebell world or the big three of the barbell world, uh, come and check this out. And I think it'll round out your training with or without sandbags. But I also think you're gonna be like, oh, that's why the ultimate sandbag is important. And that's why it's super useful because it provides a different response. So come and check that out. And then, man, it's crazy. So after that, uh, basically, I'm off to Japan and Taiwan to teach for the RKC for OS, doing an Indian club workshop. So all that stuff's going on out there. Uh, and then when I come back, taking December off on the workshop land, maybe do a couple of in-services. But when we come back, we're kicking off this year pretty strong. January 13th, which is a Sunday at MFF Bowery, original strength pressing reset returns, come for that. Then Saturday, March 2nd and 3rd, we have the RKC at Momentum Fitness. Some strong, smart coaches already signing up for that. I'm really looking forward to kicking off another RKC this year. Then the week after that, we have the HKC kettlebell certification at MFF Bowery. You know, the HKC, I don't know if it gets the respect and love it deserves. Um, if you're gonna train anybody in kettlebells, before you worry about snatches, before you worry about cleans, you gotta get them to squat, you gotta get them to hinge, you gotta get them to swing, and find out the steps of the getup, which I think so many trainers, myself included, think is such a beneficial move, although we look at it at the big picture. This is really the course where you break down those essentials. Because quite frankly, if someone doesn't have some level of mastery at that, maybe you don't want to think about teaching them presses and snatches yet. So anyway, just something to think about. Come out for that. That's going to be Sunday, March 10th. And of course, if you're interested in hosting yours truly on any of these, uh, let me know. And I'm also going to say, as a host, I'm planning on bringing Gus and Karen Peterson out for the first full day cat juggling workshop 
at the park in the spring. So this, these intro workshops are gonna be a really good way to get some baseline practice skills so that when Gus comes in, you can review those, but also have a stronger baseline to get some of the more advanced stuff. So I'm excited for all of these things. It's a, it's a gift to have this. Speaking of gifts, last week we celebrated four years since we got Ramona Flowers, assistant coach, our pit bull pup, our shelter dog, coach, Ramona Flowers, we saved her from her seven evil exes, and now she's part of this family, and it's been four years uh, getting used to the sweetest pit bull that doesn't seem to like other dogs, but loves people and loves to be a part of classes. So if you want to hang out in class, I literally put out a map for Ramona. Uh, we are having a Ramona's Gotcha Month sale where it's 30% off your first month of classes here at small group classes, um, no more than six people. Also, I have a sale on packs of personal training, and I'm laughing because I'm looking at Ramona passed out as I'm recording this directly across from me. So come and check that out. All the info on this and uh, the podcast and any blogs or videos, uh, you can check out my Facebook page, uh, but also CoachFury.com is easy to find everything. It's right there. My one ask, as I've been asking, is, hey, if you've listened to three or more episodes of this show, <laughs> please drop a rating. Um, on iTunes so that more people will see it. Not for me, but for the guests. Uh, I really want their time. I want them to get the most out of their time they take to talk with me because no one gets paid to be on this show. Um, you'll hear how shocked Kirk was when I told him that at the end. But uh, I, I just, I, I would love to get a bigger reach, not for myself, but for the guests. I think we get a lot of cool info on this from feedback I get from you guys. I get, you're getting good takeaways from the show uh, and I would like that to spread. So anyway, that's enough about me in the world. Let's talk with Kirk Adams. Uh, Kirk, I gotta be uh, completely honest with you. This might be the first episode where I have to take a poop break. <laughs> that's fair, we can, do, we can do that together if we need to. Oh man, the kids started school this week and it's the first time where uh, my daughter's going to middle school and my son's going to the school he's been going to. So okay. it's like, each parent, their mom's taken, or the nanny takes them to one school, and I've been taking them, my daughter to the new school. And between, you know, walking the dog, going to their place, picking up the kid, taking the kid to school, coming back, it's like this two-hour thing, right, that wow. I have to do twice a day. So it's like four hours of walking, commuting, sweating, because we're going through that crazy heat wave right now. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm, I'm like fueled by caffeine and sweat, not enough water. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic trainer advice. Hey, guys, if yeah. you want to just live on the edge of flash diarrhea, <laughs> a lot of caffeine, a lot of heat, not enough water, and uh, stress about how your kids are doing in school and adapting. Yeah, there you go. Are you, uh, are you rocking a mustache, by the way? I am rocking a mustache. It's the uh, return of the mustache. Wow. It's a non-satirical uh, mustache. Uh, I think I have found my calling. Wow, okay. All right. Um. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Had uh, I actually had all last week off, um, so that was nice. Uh, the club here closed down for the week. Um, end of August is just a super slow time for us. Um, everybody wants to either be uh, out on the golf course or they're on vacation. They're you know kind of trying to get the last little bit out of summer, and so this year they just decided um, they're going to shut down for the week. So. Um, I went up to New Hampshire for a couple days, visited PJ up there, and uh, we played a couple rounds of golf up there. And then I, I have another buddy that lives down in Atlanta, and he's a strength coach at Georgia State University. 
um, with their football team. So went down there for a couple days, visited with him. Uh, they had their first game last Thursday. And, uh, and then I came back here over the weekend. Well, that's amazing. Don't you feel loved by your facility that they closed when it's slow? Yeah, no, it was really nice. I mean, uh, it, you know, it was like a free bonus week of vacation. So it was kind of cool. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny. For the first time, I'm realizing here, you know, now that I run everything like as a facility here at uh-huh. Fury Industries, a.k.a. the living room of strength. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I, I just booked my travel to teach in Tokyo and Taiwan. And I'm like, well, I'm gone two weeks and I have to sort of staff up and find coverage. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> I wish That's... I could shut down, but it's like now I'm all responsible for the members and uh, I don't want to hose them or anything. So that's been an interesting, but like feeling very adult in my, my new thing, but I've got a couple of awesome people lined up. I know I reached out to you. We'll see if anything lines up there. Um, But Victor Reyes, Hey Victor, Mm -hmm. you're also a Patreon, which has a Patreon via Patreon, which has nothing to do with why I've asked you to be here. He's an awesome (laughs) coach. And uh, Caitlin Lavelle is uh, also like one of the, literally the first member of the, the class program here and she's an awesome coach so we are a triangle of strength in brooklyn victor is up in like carroll gardens uh columbia waterfront district caitlin is park slope and then if i take gowanus we are the triangle of strength in brooklyn there you go i like that it has a a good ring to it it does i'm really good with like things that have a ring to it i just you are sometimes to get people in the doors (laughs) it's like hey Maybe the mustache doesn't help that on, on second mm. thought now. Hmm, hey, you want to come up to my living room and lift weights? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That didn't sound creepy enough to begin with. I <laughs> know. That's the thing. <laughs> Folks, if you want to train people from home, it is very different when you live in an apartment building and it's not like your house uh, yeah. or external like uh, garage space to train people. It's a different thing. It's worthwhile. And the people that come in here are like, oh, that's awesome. But man, <laughs> you don't realize it at first. Like, yes. And then you don't even realize at first, you're just thinking like, oh, I want to build a clientele. And you're like, oh, wait, I don't want just anybody coming into my living room. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, you know, so far, it's an amazing group of people. I couldn't be happier with them. That's awesome. Glad to hear it's working out. Hey, since we've been talking, everybody listening, this is Kirk Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hi, guys. Hey, Kirk, tell tell them a little bit about yourself, where where you work, how we met, all that fun stuff. Wow. Well, um... I, I work as the director of fitness at a, play, a club here in Manhattan called Golf and Body, um, and it's basically an indoor golf country club. Um, we're set up um, kind of in the shadow of the Empire State Building in Herald Square, and we have, uh, you know, instead of having an actual golf course, we have seven golf simulators with uh, varying levels of technology. Um, we have, um, obviously, personal training, which is kind of where I fit into Golf and Body, um, and then we have kind of the wellness, uh, physical therapy services end of it as well. And so what we basically have is we have about 200 members. And what we try to do for each member is kind of create a, a team around them within uh, golf, fitness, wellness, um, you know, and then talk to them, obviously, about their goals. You know, everybody here uh, is coming for golf in some sense. Um, you know, some of them use this primarily for a um, – you know, kind of a practice facility. Uh, some of them kind of use more the gym side of things. And then some come here because uh, maybe they have some injury or pain concerns that are kind of keeping them from being able to play. Um, and we're kind of helping them, um, you know, get out of that so they can get back in the game. 
Um, we basically we talk to you know talk to folks about their goals, what they're trying to what they're trying to accomplish. Um, some are you know very high level amateur players. Some are you know former professionals. Um, and then we have the folks that join here to kind of learn the game. They're just beginners. Um, you know, kind of put them through a little bit of a uh, fitness and uh, golf assessment process to kind of figure out where they're at. And then uh, you know basically talk to them about you know, where they are, where they'd like to go and, and lay out a, a little bit of a blueprint on how to get there. So, um, I've been here now for a little over five years, which is crazy to think. Um, I've only been in New York for a little over five years. Um, prior to being here, I worked at Penn state university as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I was there, I went to, I did my undergrad and a, a master's uh, degree in kinesiology at Penn state. Um, was there until uh, beginning of 2013, and then uh, have been here since the summer of that same year. So, um, and you, uh, I got to meet through uh, Strength Faction, um, which I'm sure you've talked about on the show before. Um, but you know, again, it's it's been a, um, it's really uh, it's kind of marked uh, a a distinct line in my time here in New York, and uh, you know, it's about almost half and half right now where the, the kind of the first two and a half years was kind of pre strength faction and the last two and a half or about has been post strength faction. And, um, I mean, it's really been night and day. Um, uh, just like literally, you know, cause you're in a brightly lit room now. And when you used to talk on the Q and A's, you were in darkness all the time. Exactly. Well, that's, that's when I'm on my, that's when I'm in my apartment. So yeah. Um, but yeah, literally, you know, literally kind of, literally kind of night and day. Kirk was my first strength faction friend, everybody. Like, you know, I knew a couple of people going in and uh, I, I wasn't expecting to really meet people. I was there for the program. And Kirk was like my first, like, hey, we're buddies now. Um, yeah. And you would come out and check out the films of Fury and we would go and hang out. And then lately, uh, Kirk doesn't do anything with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our schedules have not sunk up lately, unfortunately. So uh, we'll have to remedy that quickly, but... So I do want to say, so for the listeners, if you haven't heard about Strength Faction, we've had a bunch of members on this podcast. It, it, it's, it's an online training community. It works in a four-month cycle or semester, uh, and we cover everything from personal development, business development, coaching, programming, um, and the community is a huge aspect of it. And again, uh, a lot of people on this podcast, I didn't know beforehand or got to know a lot more here uh and it's had a big carryover for a lot of us so you know we're this is the second episode in a year two of the show this show i've wanted to do a podcast you've heard me say this uh I, I kept finding reasons to think it was too complicated strength faction puts out a blog and within a week i started a podcast and now it's like one of the most fun things aside from coaching that i do and i will say as a friend of kirk's and, and as a peer and a fellow new yorker um it is a new night and day thing for you because I, I, I've seen Kirk grow on every aspect. Clearly by his pedigree, he's smarter than me. But just on, a, on an outward perception from both your social media, starting to present at things. Um, I don't think you were the fitness manager when I met you over there. I think you grew into no. that position while I was there. Just like on every front, growing. And, and that's how it goes when, when, when people ask, like, how do you become an instructor? right? Or a fitness manager. It's like you work hard and you strive to get better, right? It's not just, ju it's not just working hard at the thing. It's like, how do you fill in the gaps and get better? And I think that's one of the coolest things that strength faction has provided to us. What would you think similarly, or is there something else that you think is a bigger takeaway? 
Um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's given me guidance. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I had been here in the city for two and a half years. Um, I knew very few professionals outside of the folks that I worked with. Um, so to, to expand that network and to meet people like yourself, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have met as many people. I wouldn't have become involved probably in the RKC or certified functional strength coach, um, other things like that. Um, you know, it has, um, it has educated me. It has, um, uh, given me more confidence, uh, more, uh, you know, more willingness to put myself out there and do different things. And, uh, it, it just kind of, it just kind of snowballs. Um, you know, we talk about that all the time, you know, kind of the, the, the make the small investment kind of thing, but it, it just kind of snowballs where, um, you know, you just, you can, you continually do these little things and meet new people and make more connections. And it just, it just continues to grow. And before you know it, you've done many, many things that you, you never thought you would have done a very short time ago. So, um, that that's, yeah, there's, there's several ways to, to put it, but that's about as good as I can. But that's really well said. I think it, I've never verbalized it this way, but like in anything, you, you want to be surrounded by people that are better than you, like mm-hmm. being the best guy at your at your gym or your facility or whatever, it, it, it's kind of a worthless point of view, uh, unless you're making a shit ton of money. And, and <laughs> really the financial disparity isn't that big to even let that be a thing. But right. even so, it, 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 it's the thing I love about Strength Faction is there's certain areas where I feel like super confident about, you know? Uh, and then there's other areas where I'm like, I'm the dumbest person in this room. And it's one of the great things about this podcast and having so many members of the group on the podcast. It's like, you know, we get to have these conversations where I tend to, try to talk about the stuff I don't know about more than the things, you know, that's why folks, if you've noticed, there haven't been a whole lot of conversations dedicated to the kettlebell swinger get up <laughs> on the show, because you know what? I know those pretty fucking well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but I think that, that is one of those interesting things that it, it steel sharp and steel, right? That's the same. Mm-hmm. And I feel like strength faction really allows that, but it also allows us to be super vulnerable. Like when we're struggling and whether or not oh, we're yeah. openly, I mean, some people come really out and open on the Q and A's, um, Kristen Callahan, I'm looking at you. Um, or, you know, just having somebody like yourself or Todd or Chris or Kristen or, or somebody to reach out to when you're like, I, I feel like everything's falling apart. Like, I know that Todd in particular has become a guy that I reach out to when like, hey, Todd, like I, my, my life's not going well this way. I, and leaving MFF, uh, not that I want to put it, okay, it was 100% Todd made me leave MFF. That's a joke. <laughs> um, but when I'm like, you know, I have all these great things happening, but my life, I'm stressed out all the time and I'm not sleeping. And it was like, help put it in perspective. So folks, whether or not you, I, I would say if you're a newer, if you're a new trainer, without a doubt, the next round of Strength Faction, invest in it. It's going to be more important than any mobility workshop, any literally any workshop you're going to take, it's going to be more important if you invest your time in following through on the materials, take four months of strength faction and the dollar amount for four months is probably going to equate the trendy mobility workshop you're about to take or something. Right. I don't mean that harshly on any workshops. Um, just be sure to come to mind. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag those are definitely, those, those are definitely worth it. Coachfury.com slash courses, everybody. <laughs> Kirk's been doing a bunch and Kirk's assisted. Like, this is another cool thing. Like, you know, like, yeah. um, I've seen Kirk crush certs and do really well. And he's an excellent coach. And uh, I've said this on the podcast before. It might not be a, a popular opinion. Um, Kirk is a very strong guy, but he's an excellent coach. And I'd rather have an excellent coach than a very strong person. 
Uh, if you yeah. can't teach it, you're kind of useless to me in an instructor role. Uh, I don't want a demo model. I don't need an Instagram model. I need like, you know, people that can actually like share and convey information because that's what coaching is. It's not like that you have a killer deadlift or bench press. It's that you can actually convey to somebody how to have a killer deadlift or killer bench press. Right. Uh, soapbox moment over. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this. Let's, let's go off the strength faction topic. Visit strength.com. Let's, uh, let's talk about golf. Were you playing golf? Like, were you really into golf prior to the job or did you get the job and then have to sort of like immerse yourself in the world of golf? No, I, I've been, no, I've been immersed in golf my whole life. Um, I started playing at a very young age. Um, in fact, I, I don't really remember not playing golf. Um, you know, kind of got into the game because of my dad. Um, he, he played and, uh, you know, I think started initially playing, playing golf with him. Um, you know, fortunately had a golf course, uh, within five minutes of my house, which no longer exists, unfortunately, but, um, luckily it was there when I was a kid and, uh, you know, I could get there. It was cheap. It was, uh, readily available. Um, could play a lot there. And, um, so I've always played golf. I played golf in high school. Um, I played one year at, um, when I was at a, a branch campus at Penn State University. Um, and then when I, uh, when I started at Penn State in strength and conditioning, uh, just based on the facility location that I was assigned to, um, I got to work with men's and women's golf there. Um, so I worked, oh, wow. um, yeah, so I've been working with golfers. Uh, I did that for, you know, 13 years when I was at Penn State. And, uh, and that was really cool because I enjoyed the game. Um, those guys were obviously great players. And so I got to learn from them. Um, I had an opportunity to play with them a couple of times, which was uh, enlightening and how good they really are um, and how much better than me they were. Um, and they're really playing a completely different game than I was playing. Um, but, uh, you know, learned a lot about the game there. That's sort of where I first got introduced to uh, TPI, the Titleist Performance Institute. And, uh, you know, working with the, the coaches at Penn State and obviously the athletes there, it was cool to see them. You know, it was, it was always a great thing at Penn State when you had um, uh, a kid come in as a freshman and kind of see this, you know, young 17, 18, 19-year-old kid and, uh, you know, just grow both physically, mentally, uh, within the game um, over the four or five years that they're there, graduate, kind of move on. Um, you know, we had some, some guys and some girls that went on to play. Uh, professionally and do some some cool things professionally or, or high level amateur. Um, so was involved with golf quite a bit there. And then uh, you know um, you know I basically lost my job at Penn State through the whole Jerry Sandusky. Um, oh, I yeah, I never I never told you that story. No. Okay. Yeah. So when that all went down at Penn State, um, you know, basically uh, when the new football coach came in. Um, I, um, I was not involved with football at all. And my job was not, uh, re didn't report the football, anything like that, which a lot of strength and conditioning jobs do at the, at the time. Um, so when the new football coach came in, a new strength coach came in with him, uh, my job, they, they did some reorganizing There was a lot of reorganizing going on at that point. And, uh, my job got basically transitioned under the new football strength coach and I, I found out pretty quickly I wasn't going to have a job there anymore. Um, so uh, I, I, you know, was essentially fired. And um, yeah, it, it happens all the time in, in college jobs, you know. How, it's, how it, messed up was it, though, coming off the heels or being there while that was all happening? It was, it was a weird time. It was a very weird time. Um, you know, Penn State, um, it, the, you know, it's funny. The, the best thing about Penn State was – 
Joe Paterno, the fact that nothing ever changed. It was kind of this, uh, you know, I, I, idealist, um, university situation where everything was the same for 50 years. And that's the exact thing that kind of bred what ended up happening there. Um, you know, because he, there was so much, um, worship of Paterno and the football program and everything that was going on that I'm sure the people that didn't know the stuff that was going on just didn't say anything because that's not what you did. Um, you know, there was so much protecting of the legacy and the program and everything that, um, that, that led to, I think what, you know, what ended up being a huge, a huge problem. Um, so it was a very weird time. I mean, you know, again, no, nothing had changed in so long and, and basically overnight the whole thing fell apart. Um, were, were you, you relieved know. at all to get the fuck out of there after that was happening? Um, no, not, not at all. Really? Um, no, not at all. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't directly affect me. Um, I mean, it was obviously a very weird time to be a Penn state alum and to be working at Penn state, but I knew that was going to blow over eventually. And, um, no, I was not. I mean, I was, um, I was, uh, you know, not, I, I would have worked at Penn state my entire career if I probably could have, but look um, at the good of it. We would not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, again, <laughs> well, again, so going back to like the best and the worst of things, like I, you know, I grew up a Penn state fan. I rooted for Penn state football growing up, um, you know, born in Pennsylvania. Um, I went to school there. I went, got my undergrad there. I got my, I was doing my master's program there and, you know, most, strength coaches don't get their first job at a big 10 school, yeah. um, at their alma mater. Um, I mean, people go through five, 10, 15 years of, of changing jobs to get to that kind of place where they want to be. And I was able to walk into that day one and that was fantastic. That was, the, that was the greatest thing that could have happened. Um, but it did professionally slow me down because I didn't have those opportunities to go see other things, learn from other people. Um, and go through that process. So, um, it was fantastic, but it was, uh, it was not, you know, I was reluctant. I've, I've always been reluctant to change. I'll probably always be reluctant to change. Um, so in a weird way, it was kind of the push I needed to get out and, yeah. and, and grow. And, uh, you know, so while I wouldn't have necessarily chosen that, um, in the long run professionally, it was, it was a tremendous, uh, tremendously good thing for me. Um, you know, like a lot of changes are, you're not probably going to look for a lot of them, but oftentimes they end up being a really good thing. Um, <laughs> See, I'm on the weird part. I, I just find that like, I tend to blow my life up every like, I don't know, three to five years. Yeah. Like, I just need to do something. Cause if I start to feel complacent or I'm just putting up with something, I get real frustrated by it. Yeah. It's too heavy on me. It, it, so it, it, I think that's why like, finally I'm like, I got to go out on my own. So uh, even if I'm going to have those moments they're that are on my terms as best right. I can be, it's a weird thing. I'm on the, I'm on the opposite. If I get comfortable, it, it, it I find, I, I don't realize like I start letting all the minutiae stress me out. Mm -hmm. the, big, the big rocks are already taken care of. So it's like, I got to find something to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I've learned to be uh, more, I guess, accepting of change. I'm never sure I'm going to look for it as much, you know, not, not necessarily, but uh, I do now realize that, um, even, even here, like I don't necessarily expect to be a golf and body forever. Um, you know, I, I assume that, at, you know, just the likelihood that, you know, I'm going to work here another 20 or so years is pretty unlikely, you know, just in this day and age, um, you know, more, more, most likely at some point, either I'm going to decide, 
there's a, you know, a better opportunity or someone might decide that for me, like happened before, you know? Yeah. So, um, so we'll see, you know, I, I, I don't rule anything out, but, uh, I just know that, um, just the reality is that, you know, uh, to work at the, to continue to work at this place for 20 or 25 more years, maybe a little unlikely. Uh, still, I like that you're in a good seat. It's cool seeing a lot of us from the faction, really, a lot of us, even if we're in the same facilities, have gone through some big changes just in terms of our roles and responsibilities and yeah. how we're attacking stuff. So it's cool to see. Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret that these listeners don't know about. So I actually have a pretty immersive background in golf, uh, and it dates back to uh, about twice a year playing mini golf at Nunley <laughs> off the Sunrise Highway in Long Island. Uh, yeah. Many, many screenings of uh, Caddyshack and, Bill- and Happy Gilmore. <laughs> there you so, go. With that, as my, with that as my basis, I want to ask you this. This is something uh-huh. uh, I don't know if the answer is obvious. When, when somebody is, you know, a, a golf, let's, let's say not a pro golfer, but like a yep. severe uh, aficionado. So like a gen yep. pop, but like big time enthusiast, right? Yep. Do you think the strength training has more of an immediate impact on making their game better or is the focus more, and I don't mean that you would train pro, change your programming for this, but mm-hmm. is it more about preventing injury and longevity out the gate? Um, hmm. It, yeah. I, I guess mean, what I'm getting at, I don't mean to cut you off, but for listeners, like yeah. you know, whenever you have a, a, a sport that is so specifically highly based on rotation, there's just so many and, and swinging. There's so many ways for the back and the shoulders and, and things that just really get hit on real hard. And it's not like you're, it's not like you're, you know, other sports might have more impact involved, but like swinging a club full bore is pretty intense on the body. Uh, if you're an enthusiast. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. That's, sort of, yeah. that's sort of my, 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 my go-to on that question. I'm wondering, cause I, I don't have a background. I've never trained a golfer. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the two are, are kind of concurrent, like, like a lot of things, um, you know, I'll start with the injury side of things. I mean, um, again, most of our members are, you know, if you speak about it in sort of gym terminology, they're, they're gen pop people, um, who just spend all their money in free time playing golf. Um, and, uh, you know, our members tend to have a lot of both. Um, but you know, um, Yes, they, you know, and again, their most of their time is focused on career, family, so they're not prepping their body five days a week to then go out on the weekend and perform. They're working, they're taking care of their family, they're maybe not, you know, generally probably not as active as they'd like to be, and then they try to go out on the weekend and swing a golf club 100 miles an hour, 60, 70, 80 times, and that can be tough. So, yeah, I think the first thing from from a training standpoint that we're looking to do is just... Um, allow their body to do that without feeling like total garbage on Monday when they've just played 36 holes. Um, and the, and golf's an interesting sport too, because it's one of the few sports that people play more as they get older instead of less. Yeah. Um, almost every other sport you play less of as you get older. Never, so never thought of it that way, but it's so true. It's like the retirement yeah. sport. Right. You know, so now it's like people are getting older and they're less active and now they want to play more golf. And it's like, you got, you know, you got things going in opposite directions there. So, um, the, you know, one of the big things we try to sell, especially here at golf and body is like, you know, we want to use the fitness component because you can literally play this sport until you die. Um, and most people, most people, the reason they stop golfing is because they're in pain. Um, and they don't want to do it anymore because it hurts or it just becomes too hard to, because a golf, you know, a golf round is usually four to five hours. Um, and sometimes of walking and sometimes the courses are hard to walk. They're, they're up and down a lot of hills 
And so it just becomes no fun anymore. It's painful and it's tiring and they, so they don't want to play. Um, but if you can put a little effort into the fitness part, um, to stay healthy and, and to, to, to kind of get your body a little more resilient, um, you can enjoy this game for literally your entire life. Um, is there a baked in, you know how like you do certain activities, like certain sports, you're just going to get stronger, more fit by performing them, right? Like mm-hmm. whether it's basketball to some degree, baseball, certainly like in, in bicycling, BMXing, skateboarding, like there's a lot, it's like direct, like you're really pushing your conditioning, using your body weight in a very specific way. It, does golf have that component? Cause I know you're walking around for a while, but it also seems kind of chill. And I don't mean this on a diss on golfers, but you know, as opposed to most sports where you're actually like getting fit in the process of playing golf doesn't necessarily scream like that's the thing or am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Um, but there's, there's different ways to approach it. I mean, obviously when I, you know, when I was younger, um, I was typically walking every round I'm carrying my own bag. Um, so that's a little more fitness oriented. Um, but you can also be the guy who hops in a cart and drinks a six pack of beer while you play golf. So that um, would be me. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, I would get a custom golf cart uh, that looks like the Smokey and the Bandit, like <laughs> Trans Am with the T-tops. Yeah. Um, speaking of Smokey and the Bandit, you hear Burt Reynolds died today? Oh, fuck no. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I think so anyway. I mean, it could be one of those stories, but uh, oh, yeah. Dude, I, I hope you didn't just falsely crush my... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm Googling while we look, but keep talking. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. one for me. Um, um, I'm just going to yes. throw this out. as, a, as a, Now I have to go on a tangent. So... <laughs> Burt Reynolds, for me growing up as, as like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was born in 72. So uh, I'm looking this up now as my computer loads. So Burt Reynolds was like in his peak in my day and age. And I still hold Smoking the Bandit 1, Cannonball Run 1 and 2, and the movie Hooper in like the highest regards of just. And most of these are Hal Needham movies, which I also found out just two weeks ago. Uh, also directed the BMX movie Rad. Uh, not his best piece, but... Um, I'm looking this up right now. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there was just Burt Reynolds was like one of those dudes that was always there. And I listened to his, you know, he would always kind of kind of disappear, you know, like he, 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 he disappeared for a while. And then he came back and he was in that Demi Moore movie strip tease. Then he disappeared <laughs> and he was in um, Boogie Nights, you know, and I didn't know what had actually happened. Right. Because he was in all these movies. So I listened to his autobiography and it's him speaking. And the first thing that really threw me for an emotional loop was like, it barely sounds like Burt Reynolds. Like his whole voice is, is uh, different. Wow. And then you're like, okay, well maybe he was like, I remember there being like with his ex-wife, Lonnie Anderson. I remember there being all this drama, like uh, even before the days of internet, like uh, National Enquirer, that was the magazine, right? National Enquirer, yep. like gossip <laughs> crap about him. So this is what actually happened to Burt Reynolds, folks. This is an interesting story, and I had no idea. So Burt Reynolds did a movie called Dead Heat with, uh, sorry, City Heat with Clint Eastwood. Two longtime friends finally do a movie together. And he took a shot to the jaw with what was supposed to be a prop chair and wasn't. So it, like, broke his jaw. And what it ended up leaving him with, because he worked through it, was basically, like, life-altering TMJ, where he had all these significant pain that would rack his body and he'd lose mobility so this is in the 80s he starts losing weight he starts falling off and not being able to take acting roles well the rumor goes out this is while the aids crisis is happening Mm. so the rumor goes out that burt reynolds had aids and he couldn't get hired because of it so it's crazy to think you had this guy at the top of his game one random injury has this massive impact and that just happens to line up 
yeah. with this, you know, the AIDS epidemic. And it's kind of crazy because I'm older than you, but you're old enough to be aware of when that was, uh, you know, blowing up. For sure. those of us that like aren't aware, like it was massive. Like you just oh, had yeah. no idea what it was. And I, I, you know, everybody was like, can you use the same, can you use a public toilet? Can you drink from a public water fountain? People were really scared. Even if you weren't around, you know, like everybody thought it was just the gay disease. Uh, which we l clearly learned was much more beyond that, even though it, it did hit that demographic out, at, out the gate. So it was just, it was a really surprising story to me that not only, hold on. Oh, he is dead at 82, everybody. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Uh, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, two of my favorite, my favorite pairing of two people probably in all of entertainment. Um, Rest in peace, Bert. He seemed like he was a good guy. Um, yeah. I think after hearing this, of course, it's his side of it. Um, but it seemed like he got, apparently Lonnie Anderson was pretty crazy. Not blaming <laughs> the woman. I'm just going by what I heard um, in terms of spending his money. But he basically opened up a theater and an acting school in his hometown of Florida or near his hometown in Florida and continued to teach until the day he died. Uh, wow. That was a fucking tangent. You didn't think that was going to happen. No, I, I knew bringing up Burt Reynolds to you, you might, uh, oh, that might take gosh. a while. Listeners, if you haven't seen the, the, the most underappreciated gem of a, of a Hollywood movie about Hollywood movies is the movie Hooper. And it's directed by Hal Needham. And um, who else is in it? Uh, I think it's Richard Klein, I think, is the, plays the movie director. And Jan Michael Vincent from Airwolf, before Jan Michael Vincent became a maniac, um, you know, with, with drug issues and all that stuff and his own injury issues. And I actually ran, Jan Michael Vincent is still alive. I actually, he was at a, a, a comic convention or a horror convention that Kim and I were at, but Burt Reynolds is the aging Hollywood king of the stuntmen before we had visual effects. And Jan Michael Vincent is like the hot shot that looks up to him and mentors. And it is just Sally Fields in the movie as well. It is an awesome movie. So in honor of Burt Reynolds, everybody, if you haven't seen the movie Hooper, or if you haven't seen it in like 20 years since it was on HBO when it was still a wired remote, go find Hooper <laughs> with Burt Reynolds. Uh, look, admittedly, folks, we're going to have to be honest here. It is a movie that celebrates drinking and driving and is probably, you know, not the most PC in terms of uh, misogyny and whatnot, but like it does have a lot of heart and it was kind of the times and, uh, you know, it is what it is, but it's, it's, a, it's a great movie and it's got a sexy jet powered Trans Am. And nice. with that, everybody back to Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that one out. I haven't seen that one myself. You know, I have it on, I have it on Blu-ray, but I can't find it. I don't know wow. if it made it to the move to this place or if I lent it to somebody and can't find it. So I doubt you're listening, but if I lent you my copy of Hooper on Blu-ray, please bring it back. Please bring it back. <laughs> um, yeah. So getting back to golf, um, there, no, there is not, there is, uh, there is, there's certainly the possibility that you're not going to get in great shape by just playing the game. Um, it, it, it involves, you know, at most a walking pace. Now it can be for a while and it can be on some hilly terrain and things like that, but most people don't carry their bags anymore. Most people don't walk the course anymore. Um, so you can be fairly out of shape and still play around the golf. Um, so there is a, a need to sort of, um, you know, again, if you want to play well, if you want to stay healthy with the game, there is sort of a need to prep your body for the game. Sure. Um, maybe, maybe a little more so than other sports. So a big part of what we do is, um, you know, with our younger folks, um, a lot of our, uh, the young kids that come in, you know, they can swing the club really fast, um, but they don't have a lot of integrity of their body. 
Um, so we're trying to provide them a little bit of integrity to, um, you know, kind of withstand, uh, all those forces that they can create. No um, core, that, all spine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, and then when, again, with the older folks, it's, uh, you know, the middle age or older folks, it's, you know, kind of prepping the body to go out there, be able to play 18 holes. Um, cause again, some people they want to play, um, you know, we hear stories all the time about guys, they have to take four Advil before they start and four Advil when they finish. Um, or they want to play Saturday and Sunday, but they can only do one or the other. Um, so we're really trying to give them the ability to just play as much as they want to play. Um, one of the, there's a, a kid that I actually trained when he was at Penn state. Um, he's uh, trying to make it on the PGA tour. He's doing some mini tour stuff right now and, and he's dealt with some injury issues. And, and so, you know, when we talked about, you know, kind of goals and things like that, I mean, one of the goals that I had, you know, we set was, you know, from a, for a fitness program was, I just want him to be able to practice and play as much as he wanted to um, whenever he wanted to. So that I felt that if he could practice when he wanted and play when he wanted, he would get better and he would, he would reach the goals that he wants to get. But right now he feels limited in the amount of time that he can literally practice and play. And that's kind of, that's going to obviously hold him back. So um, there is definitely a, a big injury prevention, um, resiliency, uh, sustainability thing going on in, in the training there. I wish more people would see that, that whether it's golf or any, anything I know that I've been noticing as I've been going back. So I've been hitting, we've had a lot of rain here, obviously, but well, if you're not from New York, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't know that. Obviously. I don't know why I said, that. But, you know, I've been trying to hit the skate park at least two to three times a week at best. And uh-huh. you no, know, I'm, it's so funny when you say middle age, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm turning 46 next month. And you know, a lot of my friends are starting to hit 50. And I'm like, well, how are they 50? And I'm like, holy shit. Like, I'm 46. <laughs> I'm right around the corner, right? So it's like that's, yeah. that's like the new 40. Um, and I, I admittedly, I don't push myself the way I used to. Like my 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 awareness of not wanting to get hurt is on high because you know if I can't if I can't move, I can't teach, and I can't travel and have workshops, and I got a bunch of workshops starting to come up, so I have to be mindful of all of that. Yeah, um, being fit and doing that versus just crushing myself at a skate park. It's so different. And I think you end up with either people that are enthusiasts at a sport, whether whatever that might be, um, or people that are enthusiasts about the gym and the gym alone. And I just feel like if we can find that mix, like the, the almost lost message of fitness is that what we do, you shouldn't become like, like, like the gym shouldn't be the bright part, bright part of your day or why you're getting healthy. That's awesome. I want you to have like, if this is that, that's great. But I want you to be able to take what we provide as coaches, trainers, and then like express that through the other yeah. thing you should love more in a way. Now, if you're a competitive athlete, that's, you know, uh, that is the thing, right? But especially if you're a competitive lifter, right? So that's great. Right. Happy spot. But like whether it's skateboarding, bike running, runners, I really wish runners would invest in fitness more as opposed to more running. Because, you know, <laughs> talk about when you hear people that saying like, you know, my back hurts when I don't run. Well, it's like neither <laughs> running that's hurting <laughs> that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, a friend of mine just posted, I was like, yep, getting back into shape, started running. And it's like, you'd be so much better off doing some lifting first yeah. and then running. Cause it's that constant impact on the body. But I, I get so caught up and it came up a little bit in Hannah's episode, the last episode where people want to go and spend so much time at the gym, but then there's no outlet. You know, it might be more about how you look, but I feel like it really shouldn't matter how you look. I want you to, if you feel strong, you're going to feel better about how you look. Yeah. Having an outlet to express it in a physical activity is 
awesome. And so whether it's golf or skateboarding or whatever it might be, you're playing baseball with your buddies, you know, it's the same yep. thing. Your core's not on and you're, you know, getting older and you're playing basketball or baseball. Like how many people do you know that like blow their knees out or, or, or blow a disc doing those? Yeah. No, I, it's funny you mention that. Cause I've actually had this idea in my head at, at times of like wanting to open a facility where almost a condition of membership is you have to be training for something. Like you can't just come here to train. Like you need to be in a league or need to be, you know, training for a race or a sport or something like that's almost like, you know, it'd be weird to like turn people away, but um, almost like somehow make it a condition of membership that you're, you're here to prep for something else. You heard it here first. Kirk is an elitist bastard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah. I, I would like to see it like, uh, you know, if, if, you know, in Tough Mudders, like it's nice when, when gyms organize Spartans and Tough Mudders, but that's also such like, it's nice to have a target, but mm -hmm. it's also like, it's not like, it's not my thing. Um, yeah. I don't like crowds. Uh, you know, there's many reasons why that's not necessarily <laughs> my thing, but I think it's cool when gyms do that. But I also think it's still clung to the element of the gym in a way. Right. Right. Versus like this thing's yours, go do it. Or with some right. friends, go do it. You know? Uh, yeah. I do think it's important to try to establish a baseline outside of the gym. Cause then when the time comes that, you know, someone ends up dating at a gym and then that relationship ends and then the gym becomes like both of your, your happy places is now like an ugly place. And like who gets custody of the gym or the person you were taking class with that teacher leaves. And now you're like, I don't like that. When you're so beholden to the spot or emotionally attached, it's so easy to get hurt in what is not a realistic way that it should be viewed. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, like, absolutely. You know, like your favorite trainer left, Ugh. but it's like, maybe they weren't writing the program. It's great that you love that person. Um, you know, my dream thing would be is that like, if this thing grows out and I have a staff, it'd be great if you come to train with me, but I also, the priority should be, and I know MFFs tried this, like the programming and the time slot for your convenience. Right. Right. But I know yeah. that doesn't always happen because personalities are so people just gel. Yeah. We, we've run into that. One of the, we've run into that problem here a lot where, you know, pretty much everything we do is one-on-one -on -one training and it's, it's great because you get to establish a really close relationship with an individual. Um, but I've, I've warned kind of of the downside of that where, you know, it's like if, if, if I'm, a, if I'm on vacation or I, or I'm sick or I'm not here, then my folks don't want to train. Um, you know, they don't want to necessarily train with somebody else or they don't want to move to another time if I'm unavailable, something like that. So, um, there's definitely that downside of getting very attached to, yeah. um, the, the person you're working with and not, like you said, not the program or not what you're getting out of it for yourself. It's super touching and I'm grateful for it. Cause it's like, you know, the human connection. So obviously like realistically there. Um, yeah. unless it's like some sort of like possessive thing too. Cause sometimes that gets competitive. Like that's my coach. No, that's my coach. Like you kind of see that sometimes more in a sure. class setting or a semi-private se setting. Um, you know, where, where there's, that becomes that weird dynamic that people don't really talk about it that much, but like when you're in a semi-private or in particular, sometimes there's that weird dynamic of I'm going to get the more attention <laughs> or show the other two people in my session that he's my, or, you know, or she's my best friend. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm sure. Yeah. Times. Uh, hey, here's a here's an important golf question. Okay. Personality aside, right? If you took it yeah. that he's, he's he's an asshole, but if you go <laughs> by his that he's like you know super experienced, has been playing golf for a long time. Yeah. Is Shooter McGavin really a bad guy 
in, in Happy Gilmore. I mean, let, let's put it this way. Yes, he's a jerk, but he's been wanting that thing his whole life. He's been training so hard, probably going to a fitness spot like yours truly, meaning Kirk, <laughs> not me. And then yeah. Punk comes in yeah. and disrupts the whole thing. Is, is he wrong? Is no, he- I mean, it, it was Shooter's tour, you know? I mean, it was his, it was his time. It was his, it was his turn for the gold jacket. But, yeah, Happy Gilmore came in and ruined the whole thing. See, yeah. I just, I, I'm, I like, I like the happy ending, <laughs> but you know, sometimes we have to think about the other person's feelings, and, yeah. and let's put a little uh, shooter perspective on that because the guy right. does little shits for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, it's funny. I, I actually heard some, this argument. It was, I forget, it was a video or just a written argument this one time about how um, Johnny from uh, the Karate Kid was actually the good guy in the movie. And they actually made a pretty compelling case that he was actually the good guy in the movie. I saw that too. It's, yeah. it's basically how Daniel LaRusso steals his girlfriend yeah. and then an older martial arts master kicks him and his friend's asses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the weirdest yeah. thing. But then you see the show. Uh, I, I only saw the first two episodes of Cobra Kai on, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Johnny was not a good guy. No. No, but, but it's yes. great to see him come back. Props to Chad Landers for training him. Uh, that show was really good. I just didn't feel was like paying for another subscription service because I feel okay. like between Crunchyroll, Hulu, Netflix, blah blah blah. I'm like, I don't want YouTube bread. I'll just, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, back to golf in a serious fashion. Yeah. If somebody is, it has a say a gym membership, big box gym, plays golf. What is one movement that they may or may not be doing that would benefit their injury prevention. If you could pick one desert Island move to help bulletproof a golfer, what, what do you think that would be? That's a loaded question, by the way. I mean, it's not, yeah. I don't have an answer. Uh, <laughs> what do you think that would be? Uh, well, um, I mean, it would be, it would be some kind of a, I would say some kind of a core move, some kind of an anti rotation, anti extension core moving the, you know, if it was somebody who's really starting out, it would probably just mastering a good plank um, and then building off of, of those progressions as, as crazy as you want to get. Um, the other one I would I would probably go to is, you know, like a, an anti-rotation or a pal-off press, something like that. Um, you know, again, uh, getting that getting that core uh, able to withstand all those forces that you're trying to create. Um, you know, I think you could get into a lot of uh, – Shoulder, you know, upper body, thoracic mobility, hip mobility, that's also going to kind of help the low back uh, feel good um, if those joints are kind of doing what they're supposed to do. Um, so if, you know, you can, if you can get the shoulders a little more mobile, the thoracic area a little more mobile, the hips, and then provide a little stability to the core through some planking and, and different anti-rotation, um, extension, flexion movements, um, those would be the, the, the basis for a, a simple kind of feel-good program. What's your favorite uh, stance for the payoff press? Do you prefer tall kneeling, half kneeling, standing? What's your favorite? Regardless of like the person, if everyone's on an even playing field, what's your yeah. favorite position for that? Um, well, I think for golf, I think I want to get everybody standing. I mean, that's going to be the most, uh, you know, kind of specific to what they're going to be doing in the game. Um, but I like to, I like to challenge them in all different areas, but I definitely want to want to get to the point where they can do, do some, uh, do that in standing um, because that's what they're, you know, that's the position they're going to be in when they're, when they're swinging. I love payoff presses, but sometimes I'll admit it's a struggle to see if they're actually breathing the right way to get the country. You know, like sure. that moment of understanding, like work that exhale, like really take your time. Cause everyone, oh, yeah. everyone just thinks press and they just want to like 
fucking go right yep. to, like the patience aspect of it but yep. i do love them i love them in yeah. half kneeling i can't just say why i love half kneeling oh yeah i would say that's the one i probably do the most because that's uh you know most you know that's uh i just kind of default to that one um but i do you know and, and for most people um when they're beginning that's where i like to start them but i do like to get them up on their feet and yeah i, I talk all the time about folks on how this is not a you know, this is not a strength move. This is not, we're not trying to rack the, the yeah. cable system on how much we can do on a pal off press. Um, it's like how, how narrow can we make that base and how good can we make those breaths? Ring um, the that, PR bell on that payoff. Right. Press. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. I love, I love seeing when I, you know, when I, when you see the, the guy down on, in half kneeling, but he's, but he's got his feet about three feet apart, you know, the biggest <laughs> base you can create and, and holding his breath the entire time, trying to do like 80 pounds on that. I'm like, and it's you not see, really, you yeah, see the all beat, the yeah. tension yeah. in the back <laughs> instead of the, <laughs> yeah, his head's about yeah. to pop. Um, like it's not really what we're going for on that, but I, I, I love the effort, but it's not really what we're going for in there. So yeah. Do you, do you know what most of the kettlebell community is probably bumming that you didn't say? Swings and get-ups. Exactly. The yeah. Robot toss, the robot toss in a functional. Form. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it takes care of everything. Yeah. Um, that's a good advice. You know, it's funny. Uh, what would you say is aside from anti-rotation, which is a clear one, mm -hmm. is, is there a movement pattern that is underserved? Like, I think I, under, I think I have my idea of what that might be. Like, so for example, when I was talking with about maybe doing some kettlebell classes at a rock climbing gym. And the one thing I never thought about is they really need pressing. Like I thought, right. You know, contralateral movement, lots of pulling, a lot of reflexive stuff. I'm like, Oh, they're going to have great healthy shoulders. And I was completely wrong because they're in weird positions and it's all pulling, right? So pressing yeah. is actually really good. Is there a, a movement pattern that you'd say is, is lacking within the sport of uh, a golf that would, would also help sort of injury prevent aside from the, the obvious, you know, folks, if, you, if you're unaware, like the core, the anti-rotation aspect of the core is if, if, you're, if your actual like core muscles, stabilizers, obliques, transverse abdominis, if they're not on, your spine is taking that, that torque, right? And, you know, he mentioned, Kirk mentioned hip mobility. If you're not pivoting through the hips, um, it's going to be your lower back, whether that's golf or not, whether that's skateboarding, yeah. baseball, just twisting to pick something up. That's where people tend to thrash out their lower backs, even when they don't play a sport. It's one of the things that really drew me to uh, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training. Not to, Well, fuck it, I'm going to plug them. Um, <laughs> Josh's system is, especially at the level two, you learn – once you have proficiency in all of these other, uh, you know, in the sagittal plane and then the frontal plane, how to do all these things with rotation. So you build anti-rotation, you build proficiency there, and then you can add rotational strength on top of it. Um, just for anybody that's like might be in an enthusiast land that might not have a full picture on that. But if somebody's swinging a, a bat or even a punch or a kick and they're, they don't have a very reactive core, uh, your, your spine's taking that. And you're going to feel that it's going to feel like shit. Yeah. Um, I would say there's two things that come to mind. One is, is kind of the hinging pattern. Um, you know, the, you, you kind of set up, it, you know, just from a setup posture and what we're looking for and what a kind of a good golf swing looks like. Um, you know, if, if people don't understand how to hinge or have a, have a strong hinge, maybe being able to maintain a good hinge, um, they're not going to be in a good, posture really to swing the golf club from um and they're probably not going to be able to generate a lot of club head speed if they can't um you know get into a hinge and, and do the kind of things that kettlebell swings or or jumps or med ball throws would would kind of allow them to do so that that's a pattern we probably spend a 
Is that Ramona? Yeah. <laughs> the neighbor's dogs are coming through. So uh, okay. that's assistant um, coach Ramona Flowers. Celebrating four years of Ramona in the family as of yesterday. That's which, right. I remember seeing that. Which would have been September 6th, folks, because you're not going to hear this today. Yeah. Um, so that's a pattern. You know, we spent a lot of time between between deadlifts and swings and jumps and throws and, and different things like that. But the, also the issue that, you know, one of the challenges with golf, kind of like you said with, with rock climbing, where they do a lot of pulling and no pushing, um, in golf, you're pretty much only swinging in one direction. Um, you know, even in a lot of other sports, like, you know, you, you do things kind of on both sides, maybe not equally, but, you know, you're generally doing a little bit on both sides. Golf is really 100% in one direction. You're really never going to swing yeah. the other way. Um, so there's a lot of um, potential uh, overdevelopment in one direction versus the other. Um, so we'll do some stuff just to, you know, a lot of times we see one, you know, one hip versus the other is moving a lot better. Or again, one, one, you know, the, the thoracic spine turns way better in one direction than the other. So a lot of times we're trying to, you know, level that out a little bit. Um and then, and then do some exercises where, you know, we have some, uh, you know, kind of training equipment that where we basically have them. So if they're a right-handed golfer, we'll have them swing left-handed just to balance that out a little bit. I mean, it's certainly not going to, it's certainly not going to equal it, but it's hopefully going to balance it out a little bit. And I think there's definitely some, um, you know, to the theory of you, if you can, if you can put on the brakes a little bit better, you're going to, you're going to be able to rev the engine a little bit faster. Um, so if, if you're able to swing a little bit faster, so again, if I'm a right-handed player, if I can get my left-handed swing a little bit faster, that's actually going to benefit me swinging from the right-hand side. Um, so there's some stuff that we do with that to that. Again, maybe a lot of other sports may not need to worry about. Here's a business idea. Forget your yeah. elitist need to compete thing, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, if we put this in a skateboarding and, uh, and snowboarding terminology, you open up switch golf. So it's switch stance opposite side. There you go. There you go. And you just basically train everybody switch, AKA Southpaw. Yeah. And, uh, that way they balance out. But no, in all seriousness, I, I love that. Goofy, actually. right? Goofy, yeah. You call it goofy, right? Well, it depends. So if you're goofy, you're always going to go goofy, right? Goofy and regular and switch are different. Oh, okay. I'm regular footed. So for me to be switch, I would go goofy, but goofy, but if I was goofy, I would go regular. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. So goofy or regular don't determine switch. It's when you just go the opposite. So if I swing a, a, a golf club to the right, it would be switch to swing it to the left. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this goes to one of these things, uh, folks, about, you know, you see this in a lot of martial arts gyms too, where people get very sports specific in terms of how they load. They start loading cable machines into punching positions, um, you know, loading the neck into certain things that will dictate another position. Uh, folks, these people are going to get all the swing practice, skill strength in that position, basically by practicing their sport. What you need to do is build up the proficiency of the fundamentals underneath that so that they don't become so lopsided in their physical capabilities. And that's why it's like, you know, a lot of the, the great martial arts coaches are starting to realize like, yeah, like the martial arts training is where we're going to work the drills and a lot of the conditioning. And then it's in the lifting that we're actually going to start with the bulletproofing and allowing them to create the power and the stability to exceed in their sport training, as opposed to just trying to mimic. You see that all, I mean, unfortunately, I, I think it maybe it's just within our friends, I feel like, and not just through strength faction, but we, we tend to be connected with a, a really good group of a wide net of uh, progressive coaches. But right. there were times when you see the rando video of somebody who's totally mimicking 
you know, uh, some sort of punching scenario on a cable machine or with dumbbells or with kettlebells or something where it's like, you know, you, you don't need to do that. You just, a good deadlift's going to go a long way when somebody's already sparring an hour every, you know, three hours a week and, you know, hitting the bag 30 to an hour, five days a week. You don't need to work on their, like loading their punch that way. You need to work yeah. on like, the other aspects of their physicality so they can express them stronger when they are punching. Just, yeah. I, I think that sometimes sports specific gets lost as to why. Um, plus, quite frankly, if you start loading up punches, yeah, it's going to be easier to a degree when they're not loaded, but you actually might be slowing them down oh, by yeah. developing muscles and stuff in that same range. Yeah, and golf, golf is a sport. I think that the, the whole sport-specific thing um, really uh, went a little overboard for a while. Um, you know, there was a, a kind of a term thro- going around called golfish. Everything had to, like, look golfish. And, um, yeah, I mean, everybody wanted everything to be on a cable system, look like a, look like a golf swing, you know, or it wasn't a golf-specific exercise. And, and I think what people there, – there are golf-specific – um, exercises, but that doesn't mean they look like golf. It just means that there is a particular quality. Um, like for a right-handed player, you have to have good right shoulder external rotation. So an exercise that helps that is a golf specific exercise, but it doesn't look anything like I'm swinging a golf club. Um, True. you know, I, I need to, I need to have, um, power. I need to have good rotation. So anything that is training those qualities is a golf specific exercise, but it's not going to look like a golf swing. Here's a product idea, <laughs> the loaded club, the loaded golf club. And oh, basically that's been done. Has it? Oh yeah. Like he- just heavy ass golf clubs. Oh yeah. Oh, that sounds yeah. brutal. Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, have you heard of anybody just like completely blowing out a disc doing that? Cause that sounds like an awful, awful idea. Uh, not specifically, but I'm sure if you look hard enough, I'm sure it's been done. Hey, listeners, if anybody wants to Google loaded <laughs> golf club injuries, put your highlights on the comments yeah. of this thing. Lo- loaded golf club fail. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> hey, uh, Kirk, what's your uh, favorite and least favorite thing about being a, a trainer in New York City? Wow. Um, well, I think, I think my favorite, I mean, you, I mean as, a, as a guy who – likes to play golf and likes to work out. I mean, this there, I don't think there's a better facility in the world maybe than where I'm at. I mean, the, the technology that we have from the golf standpoint to, um, you know, essentially stand in one place and play an entire round of golf and, and get all the, all the data and all the, all the information that you could ever want, um, right at your fingertips. Um, and then be able to walk around the corner and have a great training space and, and a physical therapist and a massage and a cafe and all those kind of things. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any place else in the world quite like this. So, um, that's, uh, um, that, that's hard to beat for, like I said, for a guy who likes to work out and, and play golf, um, that I can, you know, in between clients, I can go over and, and, and practice a couple swings or I can, I can do a couple stretches and I can, I can work on my own game in between clients and, 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 and all, all day long, that kind of thing. So, so that's pretty nice. Um, you know, the, the worst part of it, um, the worst part of it is as a golfer living in the city, it's hard to get to a golf course. Um, you know, what's your go-to course? What's your go-to course? Um, well, I've got a buddy that I've got a couple friends that live out on long Island. Um, and there's a course out near Smithtown, 
um, that uh, we end up going to quite a bit. I wouldn't say I have a go-to other than that one, really. That's um, a hike. Most, that's a hike. It is. It is. It is a hike for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to go play a round of golf is almost a full day activity. I mean, it's it's usually an hour or two to get through the course. Because um, I don't have, a, you know, folks, I don't have a car here in the city. Um so it's an hour or two to get to a course. I've got to I've got to lug my my clubs uh, on the subway and, and on the on the railroad, and then you know it's four to five hours on the course, and then it's another hour or two to get home. It's a full day activity, and and I miss being able to um, you know at the end of the workday uh, pop in the car, drive ten or fifteen minutes, play nine holes, get home, and 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 be able to do that kind of stuff. So that's probably the worst thing. Um, you know, as a golf enthusiast living in the city, it's just actually getting to a golf course. It, wait, because Smithtown's a hike. Smithtown yeah. used to have a wonderful little skate shop in the early 90s. I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, and a really cool comic book shop, which was like uh, with, with a lot of anime stuff, which was like literally less than a quarter mile from the skate shop. So we would okay. make trips just to there but of course i didn't give a fuck about golf <laughs> yeah no that wasn't your concern it's all about priorities but that's why i know it's a hike it's a lovely town though they have a big mall yeah. Kristen um, callahan chris cooper check out that mall where does it rate where does it rate in our malls because we never bring up smithtown <laughs> yeah I, I don't think i've been to the mall so there's a there's a cool oh i might uh, be thinking of smith haven which is near there though okay i'm dating myself and i'm old we've <laughs> already okay. established that <laughs> yes that's okay um uh, What's it like working around Herald Square? Like that area is annoying. Yeah, it's very interesting. First thing in the morning, uh, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I you know uh, people don't like this area. I've never I've never minded it too much, but there's a lot of folks on the street here in the morning. Um, it's uh, you see some interesting uh, interesting things going on, and and the you know as everybody knows, the subway at four or five in the morning is very interesting. So uh, <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the, one of the best lessons I learned since I've been here in New York is when the subway car pulls up and there's nobody in it. You don't. That's go. not that's not your lucky day. <laughs> you don't get on that one. I learned that one the hard way a couple times. Yeah, it's hard. The stinky car. It's, oh uh, man, there's something in there, and it's you know, it's a it, it's a really rough one. I'm, I try to, as I grow as a more developed human being, you know, I try to put it in perspective of like, you know, what some people just have no other way to be, right? They don't have access to showers or something. But it is still that. So the thing that weirds me out more now is not when it's like the empty train, right? When it's the straight up stinky train. Like, yep. all right, like nobody's in there the weirdest part for me is when you walk into a stinky train and people are just putting up with it where it's like awful and they, you know or they think like if they're if they're like you know 20 feet away to the other side it's okay and they're not breathing the same air um that's the one where i'm like where do you i understand this person potentially reeking they don't have a great life circumstance why are you all choosing to be here and then you realize the reason is because they got a seat right and that's where right. that weird thing with laziness it's like you wonder like you know, uh, <laughs> how bad does it need to smell or how hot does it need to be for you to put up with just so you can have yeah. a seat? And people will put up a lot in the city, oh, yeah. the seat, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I should be clear. Herald Square area is like Penn Station. So, folks, it's like, the, the you know, the three main areas to commute basically into the city, into Midtown at least, is Penn Station, Port Authority, which is near Mark Fisher Fitness and Catalyst, and then... Uh, Grand Central Station, which is a little bit more uh, east side. And it's where the, like, the, the mall is. It's weird to say there's a mall in Manhattan. 
Yeah. Um, We're like, right inside the mall. Yeah. Hey, whatever it's called now, it's like the JCPenney mall. It yeah. was the Manhattan Mall, and then it was the A&S Plaza, and now it's like the JCPenney Mall, I think. I think it's still called the Manhattan Mall. That's still on the outside of the building. Is it? I think so. I don't know. I thought they got rid of that. By the okay. way, JCPenney. I'll have to look. When's the last time you've been in a JCPenney? Uh, actually, two weeks ago. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's super cheap, and you can get some decent oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, super cheap. We actually got – did we get our, our – I think we got our, like, wedding bow ties for, like, the bridal party there. <laughs> Okay. Groom's party there, and I think I got my tie there. And they were like, literally, things for like a penny. Like, oh yeah. You buy, you buy one regular price, and the next one's like a penny. And then you wonder why, like, the store's in fucking total disarray, and they probably can't afford to pay nearly enough people because everything's so cheap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I miss and Sears. Was Sears in that mall? No, but like it should be. I miss Sears in okay. general. Okay. Did, they have, yeah. did you have Sears growing up by you? I, I did have Sears growing up, yeah. The Sears catalog before the oh, internet. The wish list. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when I look as a collector now about the limited edition Sears exclusives, the yeah. big Christmas thing, man, if only I still held on to that stuff. Yeah, I forgot about the, the wish book maybe it was. I was just like, I think it was just for me, it was, I think it was just the Christmas there was a special Christmas catalog yep. and you have like the, the, the glory would start with the shitty electric guitars and the drum sets. And then it would build <laughs> to like the science, uh, you know, science test kits, like the astronomy stuff. And then it'd yeah. be like full blown GI Joe, star Wars, <laughs> He-Man stuff. And you'd be like, Oh my God, it was the best. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. then, <laughs> and then you would hope. Yeah. Uh, hey Kirk, we've been talking for a bit already. Yeah. And I'm going to go have to walk Ramona before the night class. Okay. Is there anything you want to leave these lovely people with? Uh, any parting notes? Wow. Just open the floor, huh? Yeah, open the floor. Yeah. Um, no, I... Uh, wow, that's good. Um, no, I, I think kind of going back to, you know, what brought us together and all this and, and strength action and everything. And, um, you know, the one, the one thing I've learned is, uh, you know... Um, to, to, like I said, kind of accept, uh, accept change in your life. Um, like you said with the podcast, like just start, kind of start doing something. Uh, I, I still fight it all the time where I, um, I think of things that I want to do. And like you said, kind of make up excuses as to why, why it's too hard or too much to do. Um, and I continually find that if I, if I can break it down into some small, some small step that I can manage to get myself to accomplish, then the rest of it tends to, to feel a lot, uh, a lot more able to do, um, and, and reach out for help, like to folks like yourself. Like if you are, if you are running into some trouble, um, in, in, in personally, professionally, whatever, I mean, that's, that's been a great thing about this too. I've reached out to Todd many times as well. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's, you know, have a community of, find a community. If it's not strength faction, find some other community, whether it be a gym or a church or whatever it is, um, that, you know, you have those people that you can rely on and, uh, you're going to need help and there's nothing wrong with that. And, um, uh, just keep, keep plugging away, keep moving forward, keep doing stuff. And, and two and a half late, two and a half years later, I'm here talking to you on a podcast, which is pretty cool. <laughs> with, with, with 
200 listeners, maybe. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> on, a good, on a good one. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. So I'm, and I'm here in the big time on the Coach Fury <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I still look I still look around all the time. I cannot believe I live in New York City. I mean, it is it is just unbelievable. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny. We, we talk a bunch about, like, you know, the struggles of trainers on here because it's hard. And I got to admit, too, like, you know, August was, like, really brutal. Uh, and I'm dealing with, you know um, – the struggles of, you know, running my own business out of my living room. And it has yeah. things. Uh, but I also have to think like, even with that, you know, I make as much as I did probably my first four or five years out of college. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. that was in like a more higher end field. So I feel like I'm doing all right, even when I'm not doing great. And I have to remind myself of that. But then, you know, like a, a member comes in and says how like they feel stronger or they feel better or more confident. And you're like, man, that's what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, money is a, is a hard part of it, but keep staying inspired about the people you're helping, but be realistic that yes, we need to pay bills, right? That's, that's yeah. the hard part of that conversation and find a model that works for you so that you don't grind yourself into the ground. Um, I think it's, it's easy to get lost on the hustle. I think, you know, we have so many expectations to do so much. Like everyone has to work at a facility, have an online training program, has a <laughs> have a vibrant social media account, write blogs frequently, travel to every workshop, start, you know, like it's like yeah. find your big rocks and focus on the things that are important to you first and then see where it grows. Cause you know, online training is not so uh, successful. If you're going to do it as like a main thing, I think almost every trainer trains a, a couple of people, former clients or something online. But a lot of people like to say that that's their online training program. And I'm not putting you down, but folks, if like that's your main thing, think about it. Like, how do you get out in front of other people? Because finding yeah. incredible reach is hard, right? And that's one of the things that I'm very grateful for as I get to teach workshops. Like I have a different type of reach than some might. That said, I don't have as many clients because I didn't go steal people from any of the places that I've been at. So I might have a handful of more online clients, but I'm sure most people listening to this have more day-to-day -day clients. Uh, so just everything's in perspective. And I think you'll find like with Kirk and I, like even when things are going good, we're all going through a lot of the same struggles or oh, yeah. we've been there. So just remember that, you know, it goes back to like, don't worry about like who's the best in the gym. Just try to be your best you. That sounded very after school special. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that is a tough thing to learn. It's like you, you, um, you know, you can't be great at everything. Um, you, you do have to kind of pick your, you know, pick your specialties a little bit and, and, you know, online training is one of those that I, I, I dabbled in a little bit and, and I don't know that that's my forte. And I'm, right now I'm, I'm not really, uh, going down that road real hard. Maybe I'll revisit it at some point, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's not something I think I enjoy or, and, and maybe because I don't enjoy it, it hasn't, it hasn't prospered. And, um, so I'm, I'm trying not to fight that. Um, you know, same thing with the, like, same thing with the book thing, like, you know, listening to all the books, like I just tend to enjoy podcasts more right now. So instead of, instead of beating myself up over, you know, not listening to a million books, um, I've just been enjoying the podcast and, and learning what I can from those. And, and maybe some, at some point that'll switch too. Um, you know, that's I'm another, not that's another thing I've learned. It's like, um, everything kind of goes in cycles. So if I'm not loving something right now, or if I'm, if something's not going well right now, um, it'll probably change, you know, and, uh, just, just be patient with it. It'll probably change. I, I love that you mentioned the books thing, because that's another thing that became really popular over the last couple of years is to like brag about how many books you read a week or a year. And it goes to the same idea with taking too many courses. Like how do you retain them? 
you know, and some people have very specific skills, like, you know, uh, folks, Todd Bumgardner actually through Strength Action gives like a great thing about aggregating the information you get from stuff. But overall, like I need to process stuff. And yeah. so much of my day to day is fitness oriented that I love listening to podcasts that have or uh, autobiographies that have nothing to do with fitness. Right. Uh, just to like have that moment of like, these are the other things that I'm passionate about. Uh, and, and I mentioned the online training, not to put anything down on online training, but as the coach role develops, the trainer role develops, I just feel like there's this pressure for us to feel we have to have all of these components to be a good coach. And whether that's semi-private training, one-on-one training, classes, online, whatever, right? Influencer, you know, that, that's a, a thing. Find the ones that work for you, you know, like, again, like people like to say personal training's dead. Yeah, well, sell that to the coach that can charge $200 in an hour and only has to work three hours a day and makes a good, you know, good living, you know, because there yeah. are those out there, uh, you know, or the person that does semi-private training and makes, you know, a great hour working, you know, six, you know, six hours a day, three days a week, whatever. Like, there are ways if you can build a clientele, the problem is to really consistently have a full clientele, you kind of have to work more, right? So the dreams, yeah. well, I've struggled with that for a long time. Uh, and folks, I don't make $200 an hour on, on my online <laughs> training, but you know, uh, or in my in-person training, but on online training, like, you know, it's, yes, it's an option. If it's something that you'd like to do, if you don't have a facility or you're stuck at home and you have a lot of experience you want to share, that's great. If you're a new coach and you know, you hear this in strength action sometimes, like I'm a pretty new coach. I'm going to start my online program. How are you going to do that? Like, how are you versed enough? If you're a new coach, how are you versed enough if you, if you don't have the in-person experience to verbalize that in a room? Don't feel the pressure is what I'm saying. Have an online plan for it. But maybe the plan is that, like, you spend two years of training people, and then on year two, after that, you go on the online platform. Yeah. And don't worry about social media if you don't need to. Like, if you're at a successful gym, you don't need to post social media. Like, we all feel this, right? But, like, oh yeah, you know, you want to get your name out. But if your gym is bringing you people or you can – you know, make your own sales within your facility, you don't have to worry about it so much. You know, like who are you impressing with most of that? Most of us are trying to like impress other coaches. And unless you're literally holding workshops where you're training trainers, who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think one of the great things strength action did for me too was, um, you know, for, for the young folks, it can be very overwhelming. All the courses that are out there, all the different directions you can go and they do a really nice job of prioritizing things. And, and like, you know, kind of like you were saying, start with just being good at coaching somebody in front of you. Um, yeah. one, once you can be good at that, um, then you can maybe coach somebody from a distance or you can talk to other folks about how they can coach other people. Um, but, though, you know, there's a, there's a progression in, in maybe the skills that you want to learn as a personal trainer. And they don't all happen uh, immediately. And they all make the subsequent one a little bit easier to do. Yeah, I agree. And I'll say this too. Enjoy the process, you know, like just enjoy the process of becoming a good coach and knowing that you don't know everything. And at the moment you think, you know, everything, like maybe rethink the entire profession. Yeah. It, it, there's too much that changes and it, it's not that it has to be overcomplicated because I'm, I'm just not that bright, but you know, I think you, you got to be able to like, again, find, you know, similar minded people that can challenge you. I don't mean clones of you, but people that can challenge you um, 
and, and do that. And in terms of, uh, you know, let's talk about social media too. One of the things that I try to do and what I love that you do is think about when you're, if you are going to do a social media thing, who are you trying to reach out? You know, are you trying to reach trainers or golfers? Kirk does a great job of stuff that if you're a golfer and you happen to go to his place, like, oh, I can actually try this at the gym if I'm not a golfer body. Like it's aimed at golfers. Mm-hmm. Now, if Kirk does the same thing aimed at other trainers, it's going to help trainers that teach golf stuff if that's the goal. But is that the goal? And I think people just put out like training advice as if like you, we just have to put out training advice as opposed to why are we even doing it? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's still time. It still takes time <laughs> to do it. This podcast, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't do this like financially. I love my patrons. Financially, this show... <laughs> If I, if, I, if I didn't love doing this show, right, this show, like, means the world to me. If I didn't love doing this show, there'd be no purpose in it. If I just felt like I needed to do a podcast, because now, again, this is another component. I shouldn't even joke about it. Like, as I'm saying, people doing online coaching. Running a podcast is becoming another sort of, like, almost mandatory component of being a trainer these days. And you don't need to. I mean, folks, like, I don't know if I get any people to show up at a course or in my front door because I do a podcast. I get really good feedback. I've had people try some stuff. It was really cool, actually, the episode with Ben Marvin, where like I got a mace and a couple other people got a mace. Like Becky and uh, George started showing you know stuff with mace. Like that's cool and that's enough for me. But if you think you're going to do a podcast because suddenly you're going to be some sort of like you know influencer, celebrity, whatever, it's just not worth the work because it's yeah. not going to happen. Like you have yeah. to want to do it for you know like long term. It's just. You know, even the Nerdist or Rogan, they it weren't, weren't instant successes. So play your strengths. You know, it goes back to this compartmentalizing thing you said earlier. Find your big rocks. These are the three things that I want to do with my career as a coach now. And then pick the most accessible rock that makes the most sense. And focus on that. How do you break down that? And then go to the next one and the next one, as opposed to trying to, like, crush all three of those. Um, yeah. I think the, I think the th- tough thing, and this is still tough for me to remember too, is like when you start doing social media and you start doing a podcast, like you will need to do that for a year to two years to three years before you ever see really any benefit from it. Um, and it's going to be very hard, but you will eventually see benefit from it, but you won't see it immediately. So don't expect your first social media post um, to all of a sudden get you 10,000 uh, followers on, on Instagram. But if you keep doing it daily and weekly and, and you keep doing the podcast for another year and a third year, then you may see different, different results yeah, from it. Completely. I think it yeah. was uh, when Jason and Lauren Pack were on, you know, the Achieve Fitness Instagram is insane. Yeah. Like, they get thousands upon thousands of likes and, you know, 20,000, you know, 17 to 20,000 plus views. And it's great. But you, if you look at it, they clearly invest a lot of time, had a mission and dedicated their time to it. And most of us end up sort of like myself included, like roughly throwing some stuff out. I think I've gotten good at who's my avatar, who am I trying to reach? But a lot of us, I think, just throw stuff out. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying, folks, like if you're stressed out about other things, like focus on something else for a bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, Kirk, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, uh, Kirk Adams. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Kirk Adams Golf. And um, you can always check out our, our, our golf and body webpage, golfandbody.com. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's where you can find me. Are you going to the faction seminar Sunday? I am. I will see you there. I'm not going to be there, awesome. time, but I'm going to stop and say hi. And then uh, okay. there's a very nice skate park near there. I'm going to hit the skate park too. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So we'll, we'll actually get to see each other on Sunday. Yeah, man. Uh, there you go. Yeah, you can't escape me. Uh, that's okay. 
eventually. Uh, oh, here's another important question. Uh, yeah. You think we're cursed by the three Cabbage Patch dolls we found on a Jersey <laughs> rest stop? Oh, absolutely. They, they will show up again. Who's cursed more, you for being in the picture or me for taking the picture? <laughs> uh, I think me for being in it. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah, especially, <laughs> after the, especially after the picture with me on fire. That was pretty good. Because the, the eyes are the window to the soul, and you have stunning eyes, and you are yes. in the picture. So there's three. Folks, we were, we were, Kirk and I were driving to a strength <laughs> action seminar in Philly at Warhorse Barbell, and we go to pull over to the rest stop to get some snacks and, and gas, and there were three Cabbage Patch dolls on a bench perfectly set up next to each other. <laughs> so we took a picture of it. And it was creepy, but then on the way back, we looked and they were gone. So, uh, yeah, who knows? It's like Annabelle. Yeah. We, went into the, we went into the rest stop, they were there, we came out and they were gone. Yeah. So uh, they're, clearly, they're following us somewhere. If something unfortunate happens to either of us, <laughs> I feel bad even making the joke is what <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, It will be because of those three Cabbage Patch dolls. Yes. Uh, hey, Kirk, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Yes, everybody, die mighty. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, brother. I'll see you Sunday. Listeners, check it out. We're already like two episodes in a year, too. Thank you for uh, listening to the show. Do me a favor, please. If you've listened to three or more episodes of this show, please drop a review. Hit that five-star review. It's quick on iTunes, and it'll help people uh, hear Kirk. It'll help our reach. Whoever's been coming on as the guest, it'll help the reach of the show so that three years from now, there could be 250 people listening to the show uh, (laughs) because I'm going to keep doing it anyway. But please drop a review. Um, Yes, please, folks. The guests take their time out. Nobody gets paid to be on this. They take their time out of their schedule. It helps. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not getting, I'm not getting paid for this? Please, you know me well enough, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, so everybody, uh, have a great one, and you'll hear from me next episode next week. Take care. Take care, guys. Thanks, Fury. The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Gurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.